Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Turtletaub from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from London is Andre Bywater. Andre is a partner at Cordery Compliance, a frequent speaker at our meetings. And today we're going to be discussing about data protection rules, EU whistleblower requirements, and potential conflicts between them. Andre, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks, Adam. Oh, great to have you. Now, first, can you give us a very brief reminder of what the EU whistleblower rules are all about? Yes, um, you're absolutely right. That's the best place to start. Um, so the EU introduced last year, and how, how time flies, um, a set of, uh, if you like, common whistleblowing rules for all the, what are now 27 EU member countries, because of course the UK has left the EU, um, and the reason they did this is because there was just a patchwork of um, whistleblowing rules in different countries. So one country, surprisingly, places like Germany, for example, didn't have really very much. Other places did have a lot. One other place dealt with this, but not with that and so on. And um, if you cast your mind back, we had things like the Panama Papers and Dieselgate, and these were all whistleblowing issues. And so the EU thought, well, we better introduce something that sets, if you like, a common set of standards and requirements for all EU um, countries to implement regarding whistleblowing. But because it's an EU piece of legislation, it covers whistleblowing about EU issues. So it only covers, if you like, those EU law areas. But many of those areas, of course, they've, well, they've all been implemented international law, and they're actually very extensive. So, for example, on public procurement, financial services, antitrust competition law, all those kinds of things, if there's a particular issue that someone uh, will blow the whistle about, it has to be about those particular areas of law. And, and believe you me, Adam, it's, it's quite a long list of things. And um, it sets out all kinds of things like, you know, who can be a whistleblower, and there may be surprise, some surprises for some people there, because, for example, it's not just an employee, it could be someone who's had a job interview or left the, the organization and so on. As you can imagine, it sets out stuff about anonymity, which is a sort of a privacy issue in one sense. Um, but there, there's a carve out. I think it's important to mention that although they are trying to deal with this patchwork issue and where you have different laws, there are still some carve outs. So for example, on anonymity, that's going to be left to the member states to decide what they want. And then it sets out all the usual things about, you know, what are the routes to whistleblow? Is that internal, which is the preferred route? Do I go to an external organization, you know, government organization, or do I go to the press and blow the whistle there? And it sets out lots of processes and procedures that have to be put in place. There's a lot of stuff about record keeping, for example. And as you can imagine, there's a big emphasis on retaliation. They've got a long list there of what constitutes retaliation. And retaliation, of course, is, is prohibited. And then there's a bit about sanctions. So there's a lot of work there that the member states are going to have to do to cover all that ground. And they've got until, it seems like quite far away, December 2021 to do that. But because there's so much to do on whistleblowing and including on, on some privacy issues, you know, it's a good idea to start thinking about some of those issues now. Well, especially now, given how disturbed and uh, upset everything is, uh, given the pandemic and what it's doing to all sorts of different timelines. Now, I, I, I understand. 
that there's some very specific privacy data protection issues that organizations may need to address. And why don't we drill down on those piece by piece. First, um, let's start with hotlines. Yeah, exactly. You're you're right. The the actual EU whistleblowing rules make very specific mention of GDPR. So GDPR applies. There's no exception to that. And as you say, you've got to really drill down and think about some very particular things that are not set out in the rules, not set out in GDPR, but they've been elaborated on, if you like, over time, pre-GDPR. And as you rightly say, helplines is a key one. Um, I mean, typically, if you're like a stock exchange listed business in the U.S., you're going to have to adopt compliance systems across the whole group. Um, That's going to include whistleblowing helplines for employees, because, of course, employees are, are you are very often required to report all kinds of suspicious behavior. Um, but we, we, we have had issues with this in the EU pre-GDPR. Um, for example, in countries like France, it fell, these whistleblowing requirement helplines fell foul of the then data protection regime, which was an EU regime, but as set up in France. Um, and so if you were a business operating in France, you'd have to register your whistleblowing scheme with the French data protection regulator, the CNIL. So, for example, you'd, you'd have to file a formal request for approval, or they had a special sort of system concerning what they called single authorization, which is a kind of self-certification. And that's actually increased over time because, as you may know, in France, they've also got this anti-corruption legislation, the, the Sapin de Law came out a few years ago, that also brought in additional regulatory requirements. So there are certain particular things you, you, you will have to think about there concerning um, whistleblowing, as I say, per member state. Now, since things are per member state, and you've already mentioned you know, all, all, that there are other regimes in place, will regulators need to approve anything in this area? Yeah, no, very good point. Um, yeah, they indicated in France you'll have to go through this procedure. But you're absolutely right. There, there may be some places where you've got to go through a uh, an approval system, um, or it may work in a slightly different way. For example, in the UK, if you're a data controller, you have to register you're with the uh, our regulator, the ICO, the Information Commissioner's Office, and you have to you know, say what it is you're doing in terms of your data processing. So you'd have to be, you know, explaining to them, not for approval, but explaining in your in your application um, what you're doing in terms of registering. But as I say, yes, it could be in another country as well that you may you may have to get some sort of um, approval. And, and linked to that, there's another issue, which is that as you may be aware, for some types of data processing, where you've got certain high-risk activities, you've got to do a data protection impact assessment. And I think for everywhere, it's very likely that whistleblowing services will be seen as a high-risk data processing um, activity. And so you'd have to do that uh, data protection impact assessment and under EU rules, under GDPR, if you've got risks that are really sort of tricky ones to mitigate, you're going to have to go to a regulator to get approval. And I suppose that could apply 
in a particular type of, of whistleblowing scheme. But at the very least, you're going to have to do that assessment anyway and have that document ready because it could be that a regulator might, might want to see it. So let's talk about the always vexing issue of privacy rights. Um, right. what's, the nex- <laughs> what's the nexus of them with the whistleblower laws? Right, you're absolutely right. I think this is the, the sort of the sensitive one, um, particularly with regard to um, subject access requests. Um, as you know, there are many different rights you get under GDPR. And you're right here, as you said in your theme, that there may be some some conflicts here. Um, and as I said, with the with the with the EU rights, and as with any whistleblowing law, a key thing is there mustn't be any retaliation against people for whistleblowing. And so you've got to minimise all your risks of there being some kind of retaliation. And this is where we come up against the subject access request. This is possibly the most um, almost absolute right that people have under GDPR, and they have it in other, in other sort of data protection laws as well, where you can request an organization, which might typically be your employer, to get information about data held on you. Now, you can imagine if um, there's a whistleblowing uh, complaint uh, provided by an employee to their employer about another employee, that other employee, the one being complained about, will think, aha, um, I'm going to make a subject access request to try and find out who it is who's blown the whistle on me. Um, Because they are entitled to, as I say, under this almost absolute right to ask for that kind of data. So here you're going to have issues that you're going to have to deal with. um, Because, of course, you, you've got this issue about and about trying, you have to keep the whistleblower's identity concealed. So what do you do? Um, well, you may have to, for example, redact information in a document about that the whistleblower has, 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 has provided or made about their, their claim so that you're editing out that whistleblower's personal data so that they can't be identified. But that can be quite a tricky thing to do. Um, or you could, as an alternative, withhold disclosure on grounds that that would interfere with the, the rights and freedoms of the whistleblower. But there are going to be some difficult decisions there to make in some instances. So, Andre, given all this complexity, what are some practical things that businesses can do to address the whistleblowing and the privacy data protection compliance requirements all at the same time? Okay, I'll try and give you a quick list. Uh, for example, choose your helpline provider wisely. They do vary. You need someone who really understands the GDPR issues and that they can get through your due diligence tests and provide the appropriate safeguards. That's the first thing. Secondly, dealing with the actual employees and telling them what they can do about whistleblowing. Keep it straightforward. And remember, you've got to comply with GDPR transparency requirements. You've got to tell them what it is that, as I say, like the legitimate basis on which you'll process their, their, their data. Um, slightly tricky things, for example, to think about, like you may want to try and encourage employees to not name individuals when making whistleblowing disclosures. Now that I know could prove very difficult, but it is something to think about. And when you're actually handling the whistleblowing claim, um, you, may, you need to make sure that, of course, you're maintaining that data securely, 
that it's not going to get lost or damaged and so on. Um, as we know, with data security and breaches, it's a big issue under GDPR. Um, and you're going to have to do some notification requirements, like I said, maybe to a regulator or maybe in certain EU countries where they, they um, take these requirements very seriously. You'll have to uh, notify the, the, the works council people. Um, and uh, don't keep that data for too long. Data retention is a big issue. Um, only keep it for as long as you need it for, for dealing with the claim. And then like all things, of course, Adam, training, 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 train people on these issues. Well, thank you for training everyone who listened on these issues. Uh, I, I think it's a good thing to have all this additional insight into this issue. I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Turteltaub from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we were able to expand your compliance perspective.